Good afternoon. My name is Timothy Seals. I'm your host of Get Your House in Order Radio Ministry. Thank you for tuning in today. Today we're going to talk about the rapture. Uh, there's a lot of information out there on the internet, on television, Christian television, on about, about the rapture. And I want to talk about the rapture today. Um, you know, it's very, very vital for us to try to interpret scripture by scripture because there's a lot of controversy on the rapture. And, um, you know, and unfortunately there's a, there's a lot of misleading information and, um, we really need to go back to the drawing board and, and challenge some stuff concerning the rapture because it's important. It's important to know as much as we can possibly know at this day and time about the rapture. Um, of course, the biggest debate <coughs> about the rapture, will it take place before the Great Tribulation or after the Great Tribulation? We're going to look into that. But before I get ahead of myself, <coughs> I always like to start uh, my show with an invitation to ex accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, around 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to the earth, which is known as his first coming, with the primary goal in mind. And that primary goal was to redeem man back to God. Uh, so he went through a lot, a lot of persecution, uh, which led to the cross. You know, they, they lied on him. They falsely accused him. They got him arrested, thrown into prison. While he was in prison, they they beat him, spit on him, whipped him. And then they eventually nailed him to a cross. They nailed nails in his hands and in his feet. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. And when he asked for drink, they gave him vinegar. And he eventually died on the cross and accomplished his goal. In his death, he was able to take on the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future. That's why there is no other way to God except through Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, why don't you make the decision to accept him as Lord and Savior of your life? Declare that he is the true son of God and the only way to God. Repent of your sins and declare this day forward that Jesus is Lord of your life and you that you will begin to seek his instructions for life. By, by studying his word. If you make that decision, you have made the most important decision you can ever make. 
the best decision you can ever make, because that's what life is all about. Who's going to accept Jesus? Who does not accept Jesus? That's the primary uh, question of life, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Have you? Okay. Um, Back to today's topic, the rapture. You know, a lot of uh, television ministries tend to teach a pre-tribulation rapture. And what I mean by that is a lot of uh, television ministries, a lot of ministries teach that before the great tribulation takes place, that Jesus is going to rapture his church and get them out of the way before the great tribulation. Now, I particularly don't agree with that at all. Now, um, before I get into why I don't agree with that, um, the Bible, for those of you that are new in Christ, the Bible does teach that one day Jesus is going to gather his people and take them out of the earth, which is known as what we call the rapture. The word rapture does not appear in the Bible. That's just a word we have placed on the, the great catching away of God's people, uh, the rapture. The Bible also teaches that there's going to be a great tribulation in the earth led by the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be a world leader that is empowered by Satan to basically attack God's people. Okay. So this this is a very interesting topic that a lot of people like to know about. So today we're going to look at when this rapture is going to take place. Now, I particularly believe in a post-tribulation rapture. Uh, Post, of course, means after. Pre means before. I believe in the post-tribulation rapture. That means that I believe that the church and the people of God are going to go through the great tribulation completely before the rapture takes place. Now, when you listen to arguments about this topic, it's very interesting because every time I listen to teachers and ministries that teach a pre-tribulation rapture, you know, it's it's clear as mud. I mean, it really is. It's clear as mud. It, they, they never really have no direct scripture saying that Jesus is coming before the tribulation. They always link a passage to that point of view that doesn't really say that. You know, they, that doesn't really say that. Like... Um, I believe it's in Second uh, Thessalonians where it says, for God has not appointed us to his wrath. OK, so that means that. Jesus is going to rapture the church up before the great tribulation. Now, that, that's, that's, a, that's a prime example of what I'm talking about. That doesn't fit because what you have to understand. Is that the wrath of God. And the great tribulation are two totally different things. So we are talking about 
the tribulation here. We're not talking about the wrath of God. We're talking about the tribulation. Uh, the wrath of God comes basically um, as the final straw uh, uh, of the great tribulation. The great tribulation is like the final straw for God. You know, uh, the world has been sinning, 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 sinning. And then we get to the great tribulation time where the Antichrist is now attacking the saints and uh, persecuting the saints and even killing some saints. And then when when that time is over, then the wrath of God, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ, takes place. OK, so God has not appointed us to his wrath. So we will be out of the way before the wrath of God takes place. But that's not the great tribulation. The great tribulation is going to be what Satan and his Antichrist does while on the earth. Now, we're going to be here for that. So quick, quick, a uh, couple of things come to mind. Daniel is a big time. The book of Daniel is a big time in time uh, prophecy book. And uh, there's two stories that take place in the book of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, which is, you know, one of our favorite childhood stories. And then you have um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, which went through a fiery furnace. Now, it's very interesting. These two stories show the people of God going through their tribulation. That's right. Uh, Daniel was not kept from the lion's den by prayer, but by prayer, he was able to go through the lion's den and come out victorious. Okay. Same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were not kept from the fiery furnace, but they were able to go into the fiery furnace and come out without even the smell of smoke on their clothes. Glory be to God. So what, what these stories are telling us is that God doesn't keep us from tribulation. He preserves us in tribulation. Okay. So, you know, that's a good point to start off with. That's a point that, that supports my point of view concerning the great tribulation and the rapture. Okay. Um, another, another point I want to make is I believe that a lot of ministries teach a pre-tribulation rapture for a few reasons that are, are really not good reasons at all. You know, they're, they're not good reasons because anytime you don't want to face the word of God truth about a, about a matter and just, just for other reasons is no good reason at all because we're talking about the word of God. Let's look at some of the possibilities why a lot of ministries teach a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, one, they might feel like it might scare off the members. Most people don't want to hear that. Most people don't want to say, hear that they're going to have to go through a tribulation as a Christian. You know, so some ministries, they like to support the pre-tribulation uh, teaching because, you know, it's it's what the people want to hear. Well, that's not a good reason to teach that. OK, um, another reason 
a lot of ministries and preachers and teachers teach a pre-tribulation rapture is because they have taught it and taught it before hundreds and thousands of people. And when they possibly have come to the knowledge of the truth of the matter, instead of having egg on their face and recanting what they have taught, they just stick with it, you know, cause they don't want to, they don't want their followers or the, or their listeners to feel like that they are not a reliable source. So they just, they just double down on what they been teaching. That's not a good reason either. You know, as ministers, we have a very important job as teachers, as pastors, we have a very important job when it comes to the word of God, you know, to give the people of God the very best opportunity to make it to win. And that's by getting the word of God right. So we cannot afford to allow pride, uh, politics, you know, any any of these other reasons to get in the way of the truth. And so if we have taught something that is wrong, we have to man up, woman up and repent and get it right. Even if we have said it before thousands of people, you know, that's what happens a lot of times when you're on television. You, you, you know, a lot of thousands of people have an opportunity to hear you. And if you teach something that's wrong, you know, you have to come back and say, hey, I got that wrong. You know, it's this way, not that way. I'm sorry. But going forward, I try to do a better job of getting it right. You know, you just got to do that. You can't just double down because you don't want to have egg on your face or you don't want to feel like you're an unreliable minister when it comes to the word of God. You can't be that way. You know, another reason. um, Loyalty. Loyalty to Teachers that were before them, teachers that helped them, teachers that paved the way for them may have taught a pre-tribulation rapture. And so you want to be loyal to your teachers and 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 stick with that teaching. Well, that's the wrong type of loyalty, because first and foremost, we're supposed to be loyal to the Lord. Jesus Christ. And so even if it's somebody who is really close to you, who's been in your life. For 30, 40, 50 years, you feel really uh, indebted to them because they helped you out. They mentored you. They they helped you in your ministry. You know, those, that's all good and dandy. But when it comes to the word of God, that takes priority over all of that. And you cannot afford to be loyal to your teachers just because they taught something. Don't mean you have to teach it, too. And they should respect that if they have a real love for the word of God. Okay. So these are some of the reasons why, you know, a lot of ministries out there still teach a pre-tribulation rapture, even though there is, there are no direct scriptures saying that Jesus is going to come before the great tribulation. None. I cannot find one. Like I say, a lot of people use scriptures that that are not direct and stretch it to support the pre-tribulation point of view. So but I have I have uh, quite a few, quite a few direct 
scriptures pointing to a post tribulation rapture. And that's what the Bible's about. You know, the Bible's about, you know, uh, saying it like it is, and a minister, teacher should convey that to the people. Say it like it is. Give, give me something direct. Give me something concrete. Give me something I can stand on. You know, don't link it and link it and link it to some indirect passage that has nothing to do with your, your point of view. Okay. So let's look at some um, passages of scripture that has to do with a pulse tribulation rapture. <clears throat> let's start off with um, let's start off with um, John chapter six. John chapter six is very, very direct as to when the rapture is going to take place. And um, you never really hear this passage read when 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 uh, ministries talk about the rapture on television. And that's unfortunate because this is very clear, very clear. Make no mistake about it. Jesus says it for times in John chapter six, if you start at the 39th verse. And um, and I want to talk about as to why he says it so many times. But first of all, let's just read it. John chapter six, starting at the 39th verse. OK, um, now this is Jesus talking. He says, and this is the father's will, which has sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again. When? At the last day. Okay. Verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up again, uh, up at the last day. Okay. Now <clears throat> let's go ahead and read uh, 41 through 44. The Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Okay. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not amongst yourselves. Uh, no man can come to me except the father, which has sent me. Draw him and I will raise him up. When at the last day, that is the third time he said, he's going to raise all that are his. At the last day, make no mistake about it. That's the third time. Okay. Now, if you keep on reading and you get all the way down to the 54th verse, he says it one more time. Very interesting. He says, whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And 
I will raise him up at the last day. You know, I, I want to talk about why he said that so many times. He said that four times in that passage. John chapter six, starting at the 30, 39th verse toward to the end of the chapter. He says it four times that he's going to raise all those that are his at the last day. He's talking about the rapture. I mean, it's, it's clear. He's talking about raising up, raising up. All those that are his at the last day. Now, he says it four times. Now, it's, it's interesting. I listened to a lot of ministries on television. Um, I was watching T.D. Jakes one time. And he made a point. He said two things. He said when when Jesus is being unusually repetitive, he's being prophetic. I was like, wow, never heard that before. That sounds pretty good. Unusually repetitive when he's repeating himself. He's being prophetic. And he said also when Jesus says something that seems to make absolutely no sense within the text, he's being prophetic. So those two things he said, the point he made, if I if I heard him right, he says when Jesus is being uh, he when it seems like he's making absolutely no sense within the text. He's prophesying. So look for a prophecy. When Jesus is being unusually repetitive, when he's repeating himself over and over and over again, he's being prophetic. So look for a prophecy. So here Jesus is definitely repeating himself. All those that are his, he's going to raise up when? At the last day. So I'm looking for the prophecy. Now, today, there's a lot of debating. When will Jesus rapture his church? So to me, the prophecy in in this repetitive uh, scripture or repetitive statement that Jesus states on how he's going to raise all those that are his at the last day. The prophecy is that Jesus knew there was going to be a debate. He knew there was going to be a debate as to when he was going to rapture up the church. That is the prophecy. So his his prophecy is people are going to be debating when I'm going to come back. So here, I'm going to tell them four times in John chapter six, I'm, I'm going to rapture my church at the last day. The last day. Not seven years before the last day. Not three and a half years before the last day. But the last day. Okay? Now, the reason why I threw three and a half years in there is a lot of people don't understand that the Great Tribulation is not a seven-year period. The Great Tribulation is a three-and-a-half-year period, okay? There's going to be a final week, a final week, which, according to Daniel, instead of a seven-day week, it's a seven-year week. This final week is going to be divided up into two halves, okay? The first half is going to be Great Revival, And the second half is going to be great tribulation. Um, We see this uh, in a couple of spots. Uh, Revelation, I believe, chapter 12. uh, When it talks about the woman, um, she um, flees for 1,000 
uh, what is it? 1,260 days in the first part of the chapter. And then she flees for a time, time and dividing of time, a time, times and dividing of time in the second half of the chapter. So those two, um, those two ways of describing three and a half years shows that these are two separate three and a half year periods, in my opinion. And so the first part is going to be the time of the two witnesses, which is great revival. And then they die. They killed by Satan himself, I believe, is what the scripture teach. And then the Antichrist comes to power and then he gets to do his thing for three and a half years, which is the final three and a half years. Okay, so the Great Tribulation is a three and a half year period. Okay, another example is in um, Revelations chapter 10, when uh, the angel tells John to take the book and eat it. And the Bible says in his mouth it was sweet. Okay, and then in his belly it was bitter. So I believe the sweet is the the three and a half years of revival, the church being prosperous and strong, winning souls. And then the bitterness is, of course, the great tribulation. So, and then we see, I believe, what Joseph showed us in the Old Testament when he was able to unlock the dream of Pharaoh back then when he showed seven years of plenty followed by seven years of lack. So that shows us a pattern here. You know how the sweet comes before the bitter. Okay. So three and a half year, great tribulation period, not seven. A lot of ministries on TV say a seven year tribulation and that's not accurate. So we need to get this thing right. You know, so we need to get it right. Okay. So Jesus tells us four times, people, four times. He's going to gather all them that are his at the last day, the last day. Now, the last day is also the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, if you know anything about the rapture, it's going to be a nanosecond. It's going to it's, it's not going to take place long at all. Quicker than the blink of an eye. So why people can't seem to understand how the rapture can take place at the second coming is beyond me. It's not a long event at all. If you blink, you miss it. Okay. Uh, so the last day is also the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay. So um, there's some good stuff here, I believe. It's, it's like I said, it's really direct. It's really um, to the point. Um, let's look at let's look at some more uh, scriptures to talk about the rapture. And I'm a, I'm gonna read them in the order of First Corinthians fifteen fifty two, and then I'm gonna read First Thessalonians four and sixteen. And then I'm going to read Matthew chapter 24, 29 to 31 in that order. Okay. 
And um, what we're going to notice here in these three separate passages of scripture is that a trumpet is mentioned each each time, each time. And um, and um, Paul gives us a little bit of extra information that will allow us to pinpoint at which time this trumpet takes place. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, let's go to first Corinthians first. We're going to first Corinthians. Chapter 15. Yeah, I, I don't have my old tablet with me. I got a, I got a traditional Bible where I got to turn the pages, so I might be a little slow. So that'll give you time to get there too. First Corinthians, chapter fifteen, verse fifty-two. Now, let's just go back to verse 51 and um, look at what. Look at what Paul has to say here. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. He said the last trump. Okay. Now, if you know anything about the book of Revelations, there are seven trumpets, seven trumpets. Okay. Now, Paul here says it's the last trump that we're going to be changed. It's the last trump that's going to take place. Uh, where where the, where where this rapture, this changing is going to take place in a nanosecond, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. OK. We shall be changed. So Paul gives us information here. That is critical to understanding when this is going to take place. He says at the last Trump. Okay. Now let's take a quick look at first Thessalonians chapter four. Um, verse 16. It says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. So here is another trumpet with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. 
There goes the trumpet again. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. This is the same scene that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. Okay? Now, a lot of people recognize this as the rapture. Okay? But Paul told, tells us this is the last trumpet. This is the last trumpet. And there are seven trumpets. This is the last one. But somehow, people think this takes place seven years or three and a half years before the second coming. That's not good math. Not good math at all. Okay. Let, let, let's continue to read. Let's go now to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. This, this will tie up all the loose ends in my strong opinion of the, when you put these three verses together, you do do a little calculating, a little adding and subtracting, draw your conclusion. And this is it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, let's start at the 29th verse. Now, Jesus just tells us with no, uh, with no confusion, with, with all clarity, he says immediately after, okay, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Wow. Immediately after the tribulation, you know, now I heard uh, another minister on TV, Pat Robinson, you know, he'd been coming under fire a lot for things he say that's not politically correct. And, you know, he he says things that uh, people get offended by. So his credibility has gone down over the years. But but just because your credibility goes down with people or with man, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. You know, you know, a lot of times it could it can mean a lot, but it don't have to mean a lot. So but anyway, he got a lot of critics because of some of the stuff he says. But he's one of the few ministers on TV that would tell you that the rapture takes place after the tribulation, people based on this scripture here. I mean, it's really that clear and that simple. Why people want to insist on a pre-tribulation rapture when Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, watch this. He says, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven. Okay. And the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. This is a description, people, of the last day. That's right. The last day will be the, the last day of the sun and the last day of the moon. The, the, the sun and the moon is what keeps days going. OK, when the sun comes up in the morning, that's another day. When the sun goes down at night, that day is over. The sun and the moon is what keeps days going. OK, so this is a description of the last day. Okay, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. 
and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Okay, so he's talking about his second coming right now. He's talking about the last day, which will be his second coming. That's why all of the tribes of the earth are going to mourn because they're going to know it's on. The wrath of God is here. Okay. And they shall see the son of man coming in the, in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, great glory. They're going to see this. Okay. Now verse 31 and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a what? A trumpet. So here we see the trumpet placed at the last day, which Paul said is the last trumpet, which describes the rapture as well. It's basically people two plus two equal in four. It is really that fundamental. It is really that basic. It is really that obvious. It's, it's as obvious as two plus two equaling four. The Apostle Paul says the last trumpet, that's when we're going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Okay? That's also what he describes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 that we read. So here... He is going to send his angels with the sound of a trumpet, which is the last trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, the four winds, the north wind, the south wind, the east wind, the west wind, around the whole world. Wow, people of God. I mean, when you read John chapter six, when Jesus says he's going to gather all of them that are his, all those that are his at the last day. Right here in Matthew, it tells us when the last day is, it's when the sun will be darkened and the moon will no longer give light. That's going to be the last day and the stars of heaven will fall, will fall. That's going to be such a scary moment. Now, in this nanosecond, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to rapture his church out of the earth. Okay. It's going to be so fast that the people that are left behind aren't going to even notice it. They're not going to even know. Now, despite a lot of bad teachings on the rapture, where they show people in the in the grocery store and at the mall and at work and one disappearing while another one is standing there and then the other one that's left behind turns and look and say, hey, where did he go? And that was a rapture. That's not how it's going to be. <laughs> um, the scripture, when it's when, in Luke chapter 17, when it says one will be taken and the other one left, that's not talking about the rapture. That's talking about the great wrath of God, the wrath of God, because both people are unredeemed in that scenario. When, when one is taken, the one that is taken, they, they didn't go off to heaven. 
No, they had been taken to a slaughtering spot, according to Luke chapter 17. Okay, so we need to get this right. Um, In all likelihood, when the rapture takes place, we are going to be separated from society. We we're going to go through the Great Tribulation. The Antichrist is going to push and push and push and and change laws and change standards and oppress and oppress and oppress to the point to where we cannot function in society. So just like it was, like Jesus said, just like it was in the days of Lot, just like it was in the days of Noah. See, when you read the story of Noah and the ark, Noah was separated from society. Him and his family were separated from society and they were building an ark and people would come and see what they were doing and make fun of them and then leave. And so when Noah was told to get on the ark and the door was shut, the people did not even know. The heathens, the ungodly people, they did not even know that Noah had got on the ark and that the door was shut. And the Bible says, and they were, they were continuing on as life uh, with everyday life, eating, drinking, marrying, giving into marriage, going to work, shopping, planning, you know, doing all the everyday stuff. And they didn't know that judgment, that the, the, the judgment was about to come their way. They didn't even know that Noah was on the ark and the door was shut. Same thing with Lot. If you, if Jesus mentions Lot, he says, when Lot left the city, immediately, you know, fire came down from heaven. And um, but when Lot left the city, the the wicked people that were in the city did not even know that Lot had had got himself together and left, got his family together and left. Okay, so in all likelihood, when the rapture takes place. The world is not going to even know it because we're going to be separated from society. We're not going to be able to participate in society without a mark of the beast. And so the saints are not going to take the mark of the beast. Of course, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to form our own groups, you know, our own little spots to, to make it from day in and day out. You know, I believe there's going to be Christian camps around the world uh, where we are separated from society. And, um, and so when the rapture takes place, I don't believe the world is going to even know it. Okay, the world, we're going to be raptured up into heaven. And people are going to be going on with life as usual. Okay, so now when you read Luke um, chapter 17, now I believe starting at the 26th verse. You know, people are going to be going on with life as normal while we are raptured and taken away. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is going to send his angels and his angels are going to start snatching people. One will be taken and the other one left. Okay, one will be taken and the other one left. Now, when you read the book of Daniel, chapter seven, Daniel gives us insight on this process. He lets us know that some people, the wicked, the wicked are going to be um, judged 
and attacked in two ways. Okay, some are going to suffer uh, tragic deaths, slaughtered. Okay, and while they're being slaughtered and while they're being uh, murdered by these soldier angels of Jesus Christ, they're going to be eaten while they are dying by the the birds of the air and and, and beasts of the field. Um, so they're going to suffer tragic deaths. And then the ones that are left behind, <clears throat> uh, Daniel says their life is going to be prolonged for a season and a time. And I believe that's a thousand and one years. Okay. Because we know in the book of Daniel, time is one year. And the season is going to be the um, thousand year millennium reign with Christ. So during that time, we're going to rule and reign over somebody. Okay. So back to back to uh, Luke chapter 17, one will be taken and the other one left. One is going to be taken at the very end of the chapter. Jesus says, where the eagles are gathered together, so will the carcasses be also. Ones that are going to be taken are going to be taken to a slaughtering place. A slaughtering place where they're going to be slaughtered. These, these are wicked people. These are not saints being raptured. No. These are going to be people taken to a slaughtering place and they're going to be eaten while they're being murdered by, by eagles, hawks and owls and, and, and maybe beasts of the earth and all, all sorts of animals. And then the ones that are left behind, they, their lives are going to be prolonged, according to Daniel chapter seven. Their lives are going to be prolonged for a season and a time for a thousand years. They're going to be sentenced to a thousand years of hard labor. These are who we're going to rule and reign over with Christ. Okay. And then we're talking about a lot of people here because right now, census teaches us that there are 7 billion with a B, like, like bumblebee, 7 billion people on the earth. Okay. Now, the Bible teaches us that broad is the path of destruction and narrow is the path of righteousness. So it's going to be much more wicked people at the end than righteous people. OK, now, if there's seven billion people on the earth today, add that to um, the many thousands of years before us. Yes, okay, could be talking about people that lived on the earth since the time of Adam. So we could be talking about uh, over a hundred billion with a B, over a hundred billion people are going to be dealt with at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, of course, the Apostle Paul tells us the dead in Christ, we're going all the way back to Adam, because if you remember when Jesus died on the cross, uh, we are taught that he went into the graves and preached to the lost souls. And, so, and of course, I believe some got saved and some didn't. And many that were asleep got up out of their graves. When you read in Matthew, um, uh, the I believe it's uh, the 26th chapter of Matthew, it talks about many that were sleep in the graves. They got up out of the graves once Jesus died because they got saved and they was able to go back to their families. Got up out of, some of them able to get up out of the grave. So 
Jesus preached to lost souls when he was dead in the earth for three days. And so we got to go back all the way to Adam and Eve, all the way up to today. When the second coming of Jesus Christ takes place, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead in Christ first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be called up. All this in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Then now this is the rapture. So there's going to be also now the unredeemed part of the story. A lot of lot of people that were dead, that never accepted Jesus Christ, they're going to be resurrected too, and then be dealt with during the second coming of Jesus Christ, as well as the people that are alive on the earth. So the Great Tribulation is going to be terrible. And that's how the Old Testament prophets put it. The terrible day of the Lord. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be traumatic. It's going to it's going to be terrifying. You know, it's people are going to see people that were dead walking the earth that never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because all of this is going to take place at his second coming. So some are going to be resurrected only to be butchered at, at a designated spot. One will be taken and the other one left. Now, what gave me a clue a long time ago, that the passage in Luke where it says one would be taken and the other one left was not the rapture. What gave me a strong clue when I was when I was a young teenager. Now, Luke is the only one that gives us this account. Luke says two men will be in one bed. One shall be taken and the other one left. Two men will be in one bed. One shall be taken and the other one left. And I remember saying to myself, why is two men in one bed? And I was always taught that this was a picture of the rapture. No, this is not. The rapture had already taken place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And now this is the, the, the wrath of God. One is going to be taken to a slaughtering place where the eagles are gathered together. So will the carcasses be also is what Jesus said. And the other one left. And his life is going to be prolonged for a season and a time, which I believe is 1,001 year to be made a slave on the earth, sentenced to a thousand years of hard labor. OK, so two men in one bed, that should that that should be a red flag as to what is going on there. This is homosexuality, people. You know, two men in one bed. This is a picture of homosexuality. You know, Jesus is going to take one to be slaughtered and he's going to leave the other one left to be a slave on the earth for a thousand years. OK. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, I, I really believe I gave you a lot of scripture here to support my position on the. uh rapture as to when it takes place. And uh, like I said, I believe the scriptures that I give to support a post-tribulation rapture, that means after the tribulation, these scriptures are really cut and dry, black and white, direct scriptures. You know, there's no need for us to create 
um, a rapture that's not in the Bible, speaking of a pre-tribulation rapture. And it's unfortunate because so many of our big time ministries support the pre-tribulation rapture. You know, that bothers me. That bothers me why people don't understand the importance of getting it right and being right and letting everything else be secondary. You know, God's truth is, is priority number one. So, um, when you understand the post-tribulation rapture, what it should do is allow you that when you see the signs coming, that we are about to enter into the final seven year period. It should get you ready because like I said, the first half is going to be um, great revival, you know? So when we see finally a church, well, I believe it's going to be two churches because the Bible in um, revelations chapter 11, it talks about two witnesses and two candlesticks now, a candlestick is a church. We find that out in Revelations chapter one. So these two witnesses are going to lead two churches. When we finally hear about two churches that are finally getting breakthroughs, not 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 saying they're getting breakthroughs, but not getting breakthroughs <laughs> like a lot of churches do today. You know, a lot of churches got to sell you how anointed they are by telling you how powerful that you ain't got to tell nobody how powerful you are when you're really powerful. You know, uh, so when we finally come across two churches that are really doing some great stuff, getting stuff done, doing supernatural things, that's that that the news media is trying to run and report on and interview people about. And they can't really find nobody to tell them what happened because don't nobody really know. All they know is that the fourth floor of the hospital, all the people got healed from cancer and they walked out and. And, and and they can't explain it. You know, when they start getting results, you know, it's time, you, you, you know, we're in the final seven years and to get ready, you know, like in the days of, like in the days of Joseph, when he had the, the first years of plenty, he stocked up, he stocked up and he, he saved and he, he got in reserves and, and he prepared for the for the lean years to come. We need to do that. We need to stock up literally and physically, you know, and and and, um, and um, socially and uh, metaphorically. We need to we need to stock up, you know, and uh, and then so that we can get ready for the three and a half years of lean times or of great tribulation to come, you know, so that. If we have to, we can sleep in the sleeping bag with our flashlight and batteries and, and our pistol and our tent, you know, if we need to, you know. So that's right, because I believe in the first three and a half years, the church is going to come into money where we can do that. We can we can buy stuff like never before. You know, that's going to be a time when the whole church is going to be strong and wealthy, not just the pastor. OK, and we're going to be able to buy and stock up and get ready for the three and a half years to come so that if we have to live out in the woods, we can for a little while. Because I believe the during the Great Tribulation, it's going to be tough. 
And then it's going to get tougher and it's going to get tougher. It's going to get tougher to the point to where it's going to be when it gets to be unbearable, then that's when it's going to be over. And then the second coming and the rapture takes place. Okay. So I hope you have found this ministry, this teaching to be very informative, very informative. You know, I always try to live by a practice of interpreting scripture by scripture. You can't interpret, interpret the scripture by, by worldly culture, by American culture, by TV. I, you know, I cringe when people get out a Webster's dictionary to define a word in the Bible. You just really can't do that because we're talking about hundreds of years, even thousands of years of, of compromising has taken place. Culture ha- has a lot of times influenced uh, definitions that we live by the day. Uh, I give you one quick example. The woman at the well, John chapter four. Uh, any Bibles published after 1930, when, when you read John chapter four and, and the woman at the well story, when Jesus is talking about the woman at the well, um, any Bible published after 1930, it adds the word living, living. Jesus said, you have had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. Now, King James says the man you are now with the Young's literal translation says the man you are now with. But Bibles published after the 1930s add the word living with the man you are now living with. And you know why? Because it was the 1900s. It was the early 1900s when there became a popular distinction on who had a marriage license and who didn't. Okay. So that's when you get the term shacking up. That's when you get living with now added to the Bible, you know, something that new, that recent, that's right. So that's why I always like to stick to the King James and I always try to allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. Uh, I can't use modern day resources to interpret the Bible. It's just too dangerous. It's just too risky. The woman at the well was not a woman living with or shacking up. It wasn't about that. The woman at the well was a bad wife turned prostitute. The man that she was now with was a, was, was a paying customer, what they call a John. And she was at the well drawing water because she had a paying customer. She was a prostitute. And one final clue, the Bible says after her and Jesus finished talking, she, she dropped her water and she went back and told the men of the city. That's one last clue that she was a prostitute. So when the story about shacking up, that's a new uh, culture thing. And the Bible never makes that distinction on who has a marriage license and who don't. But this was about a woman being a prostitute and Jesus convicting her and possibly saving her. Okay, I'm about out of time. Thank you for tuning in in today's broadcast. Again, I'm your I'm your host, Timothy Aaron. Um, uh, the title of this this ministry is Get Your House in Order. Once again, uh, tell your family and friends about the show if you enjoyed it, if you felt, found it to be informative. Uh, that's what I'm about. I'm about uh, the truth and the truth making us free. So once again, thank you for tuning in. Um, above all things, my brothers and sisters, I hope you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prosper. God bless. Peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.